The wars of ancient Greece. What are the wars? The wars over land, power, and control. Wow. I know, right? Uh, can you explain it? Well, we'll split it up between the Persian and the Peloponnesian Wars. The Persian Wars were a war between Athens and the Persians. This started when Darius invaded the small Greek islands. Now, after this, the Greeks revolted, and the Persians crushed the revolt and vowed to destroy Athens. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Continuing... The first battle was the Battle of Marathon. Why Marathon? Because that's what the name of the city was. The Athenians were greatly outnumbered and were really against their odds. In the end, the Persians, however, lacked discipline and training. Therefore, the Athenians won because of their training and their fighting tactics, like the phalanx. Oh, okay. After the Battle of Marathons, the Athenians chased the Persians, ooh, and killed Darius, their king. But soon his son Xerxes took over and had no opposition until Thermopylae. I heard about that. It's where the Greeks and Persians were at a standstill. And someone told the Persians to pass around the mountain. The Greeks were left with around three, 300 people, right? Yeah. After the battle, the Persians were on a run. Now, what this led to a navy war. Now, the Athenians had a very advanced navy. But because of their distractions, the Persians had the ability to burn down Athens. Well, what next? Next is the Peloponnesian War. Our story starts back when Athens enters its golden age. This is when Athens decides to make its Delian League, a permanent alliance of other Greek city-states. Wow. And then Sparta made their own league to counter, right? Yes, they did. That was the Peloponnesian League. Both of these leagues were very much counterparts. This led to a fight, and this fire sparked and wars started. Dang, man. Dang, man, indeed. After that, Sparta decided to surround Athens in this only the second year of the war. Sparta decided to burn all of the Athenians' food. Athens stayed behind its walls, receiving shipments of food from its harbors, and they still controlled the water. That was... In the second year, after Sparta had burned Athens... A terrible plague hit. This left over 50% of the population dead. Athens recovered, but never got their strength back, though. That is correct. After the plague, Athens was left completely destroyed. So, in 404 BCE, after 27 years of war, Athens surrendered. Some of the results of the war was that Greece was extremely weakened. Greece these states did not trust one another. Population was at a horrible decline. Farmland and food supplies had dwindled, and there was a distrust in the government. Speaking of those wars, 
You know who was one of the most prominent and influential people of Greece who was also in the war? I think I might know this one. Yeah, you do. It's Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was the son of King Philip of Macedonia, who was known for having the best army in Greece and taking control of most of Greece by 338 BCE. How did he become so great? Well, he grew up in Pella, and he showed great promise as a child. Philip had had him tutored by Aristotle as well. Once he turned 16, he was given control of the Macedonian cavalry and turned out to be a real great general and warrior. He was only 16? Yeah, as old as us and already a warrior. Well, what else did he do? Well, he got into an argument with his father and he was exiled. Did he come back? Yeah, but eventually he was called back to attend Philip's daughter's wedding, but Philip ended up being murdered. Did Alexander do it? It's highly speculated that it was either him or his mother. I'm guessing he took the kingdom over? That's exactly what he did. No one really wanted him to be king, though, so a city called Thebes rebelled. In order to prove a point, he burned down the city and sold the citizens as slaves. Did anyone else rebel after that? No way. He ended up controlling all of Greece and Macedonia and sought out to continue his father's legacy. So, he attacked Persia. He killed King Darius in Persia and conquered most of it by 332 BCE. He's already got a lot of land and a big army, right? I'm guessing he goes on to conquer more? Exactly. Right after Persia, he headed to Egypt. They crowned him a pharaoh, and he was pretty much made a god. They built Alexandria to honor him, and it ended up being one of the greatest cities in the ancient world. Nothing can stop this guy. Yeah, he breezed through everything. He also never lost a single battle. That just proves my point. <laughs> they then went to India and marched through the deserts of Asia into the Ganges River. They ended up fighting war elephants as well. His men were pretty tired, and they were ready to go home. Alexander didn't really want to, because he wanted to conquer more, but they ended up going anyway. So if his men didn't want to go, he could have taken even more? I would think so. If he hadn't gotten sick with the fever, though. The man conquered 11,000 miles and fought for 11 years. Once he returned to Babylon, he died 11 days later. He said that his land and riches would go to the strongest but it ended up being split between his three strongest generals after a lot of arguing. Alexander the Great was pretty great for his time, huh? Yeah, but he did way more than just conquer. What else did he do? Well, on his journeys as he built cities, he would take settlers of different cultures with him. They all kind of blended together into a mix of like Greek, uh, Egyptian, Persian, and um, uh, Indian cultures. It was called the Hellenistic culture. Well, what's this culture all about? Well, since it was a blend of all the cultures, a lot of the really smart people from all of them, they all had something to share since all their education and knowledge from others was starting to spread, so a lot of new advancements, theories, all sorts of stuff was made. Almost like the philosophers in Greece. Exactly. While Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle continued to be the main three in the philosophical world, there were some new guys showing up, too. Well, who are they? Uh, one guy's name was Zeno. He created Stoicism, which means that a divine power ruled the universe, and that we should all live in harmony with it in the natural laws of the world. He wanted us to avoid human desires. That's one way to look at it. So, who are the others? Uh, Epicureanism. It was created by Epicurus. 
He thought the universe was composed of atoms and that it was ruled by gods who didn't seem to care about humans. He said the main goal of humans was to achieve harmony of your body and your mind. So they just sat there and thought about this all day? Yep. That sounds really boring. Well, some of it's cool. In Alexandria, in Egypt, a lot of new theories about the world and space were forming. Aristarchus of Samos thought the sun was bigger than the earth, and that we revolved around it along with the other planets. Ptolemy thought that we were the center of the universe, which was accepted for the next 1,400 years. That's a long time for an incorrect theory. Yeah, seriously. What else did they do? Well, they did a lot of math, too. Archimedes was the one who estimated pi, and they've all invented all sorts of stuff, like the law of the lever, compound pulleys, Archimedes screws, and the list goes on. So they pretty much made most math that we use today? Exactly. They would then use that math for architecture. Have you ever heard of the seven ancient wonders of uh, the ancient world? Yeah, I think I have. Well, the lighthouse and the Colossus Road surely had to be built using some form of math, and the pyramids, too. Oh, yeah, that thing was huge. They really did a lot of stuff back then, huh? Yeah, I never realized how much Alexander the Great did in the ancient world in general. Same here. Ancient Greece. The civilization where the Minoans created a grand empire. Their capital was at a palace called Knossos. They were peaceful people. They relied on trade, but by 1400 BC, they completely disappeared. And then, and from 1600 to 1200 BC, the Mycenaeans ruled Greece. They ruled over villages with their palace, with their palace forts, and uh, they lived in luxury and they fought wars to get even more rich. They traded with Italy, Syria, Egypt, and many other distant places. They were the, they were the ones who fought in the Trojan War, and they are believed, they are believed to be the people that uh, created Greek mythology and legends. Not long after the Trojan War, the Mycenaean civilization collapsed and the Dorians moved into Greece. The Dorian reign was a very boring period for ancient Greece. <laughs> Nothing got done. Nobody wrote any records, nobody did anything for Greece. But by 750 BC, uh, some powerful city-states started coming around, or they, they called them polis. Well, that's the word. Greece is part of the Balkan Peninsula. Mountains created valleys across the peninsula, cutting off cities from each other. Off the Greek coast are many small islands. The land is very rocky and suitable for farming. It's not suitable for farming. You're wrong. My bad. Understand. Stone and marble were still very plentiful. Because of uh, their geographical features, though, a lot of city-states started showing up, but they, they weren't very big. Uh, they had around 50 to 500 square miles of territory, and only, like, the largest ones only had, like, 20,000 people, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't compared to cities nowadays. As uh, they started emerging, there, there was a lot of arts, there's a lot of education, and a lot of trading went around. Because of the city-states, they had to form a government. They began ha as a monarchy, where one king ruled all. Next, they adopted an aristocracy, where a few wealthy landowners ruled all. As trade expanded, they needed to change to an oligarchy.
which was formed in some cities. When dissatisfied with the aristocracy, these rich few would rise and take power. After the oligarchies, they decided that it would be best to form a representative government or a democracy. Even though a lot of the city-states were pretty different, they all seemed to share a few, a few things, like their language or in writing. They all pretty much spoke Greek. Uh, their religion, they all followed uh, the main gods in Greek mythology, like Zeus, Athena, uh, Poseidon, Hades, Apollo. Uh, they had pretty close... They, their economy was very close because... Just due to trade, they trade a lot with each other. Their art and architecture and their drama was all very similar. There was a lot of geometry and math used. And they all participated in the Olympics, which is uh, every four years, different people from different city-states competed in sporting activities like wrestling, running, uh, discus, boxing, throwing javelins. The, uh, the games were meant to honor Zeus and the rest of the gods. Now, as they all had common cultures, there was still a need that they had differences. This brought up the need for battle tactics. Before the discovery of iron, most swords were made out of bronze. This meant that only the rich could fight in the wars. When the discovery of iron, however, they could now afford sword and shields for poor people. <clears throat> this meant the cit that citizen soldiers could emerge. With more men to fight, the phalanx was invented. Uh, Greeks also believed that uh, human reason was enough to understand the world and differences and potentially solve problems. The most famous philosophers were Socrates, Plato's, Plato, and Aristotle. And Socrates, his style of philosophy was he questioned people to help them find the answers to their problems. Uh, he was killed in the Athenian council, though. So, but uh, his his most famous studio, stu student, excuse me, his most famous student was Plato. And he believed that only philosophers should rule the city states. But uh, that didn't get too far either. And uh, Plato's most famous student was Aristotle. And he, was, he liked to classify things. He liked collecting and studied how, how things really worked. And he was also known as the tutor of Alexander the Great. Because of the philosophers, they had many great inventions. Some of the contributions were <clears throat> drama. They had a lot of arts and architecture. This led to many statues being created. What the person would look like as if they were completely perfect. They also took this approach to their buildings. They took a mathematics approach where they would show the world by calculating the circumference. Archimedes contributed in many ways, including simple machines, volume, density, plumbing, and even weapons and few warfare. Because of the arts, literature and music was born. This led to some... Mu Good. ...instruments like the lyre and flute. They also developed a musical scale. Now, the Greeks were the first to record history, with historians such as Herodotus and Thucydides 
wrote of the past. Sophocles became the first person to write comedies and tragedies. Greeks would listen to these stories in open-air amphitheaters, which created theater. They also had many great poems, like the Iliad and the Odyssey. These were made because of one man named Homer. He was a blind poet. <laughs>